Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. The, one of the reasons I like Christmas is because it is a great chance to talk about the people and the events, kind of really hone in on the people and the events who were, who were part of bringing Jesus to the earth. And uh, every year I, I grew up in a, in a Baptist church and we used to do pageants. I don't know if you, you know, the Christmas plays and we'd have nativities and live nativities. I don't know if anybody, anybody did that. Uh, one church was doing it and they had the children doing the Christmas presentation and the Christmas play. And little Jeffrey was really ticked off because he wanted to be Joseph and they gave him the role of the innkeeper. So he had like one line, no, no room in the inn. Well, that just really made little Jeffrey mad. And so when the big day came and the children's church has come out and they're, they're, they're performing in front of all the church, this was his opportunity to get revenge. And so when Joseph and Mary came and knocked on the door, he opens the door wide and he steps back in. He says, come on in, we've got plenty of room. <laughs> and uh, the young man playing Joseph, was, they, were, they were kind of bewildered for a moment. But this guy was a quick thinker and he sticks his head in the door and he looks around. He said, this place is a dump. Come on, Mary, I'd rather sleep in a stable. Hire that kid when he gets bigger. The, uh, we don't do the live nativities or uh, children's pageants. They're fun, though. You, you never know what you're going to get. But, it, but if you look at the cast of characters around the Christmas story, the star of the story, obviously, Jesus, the baby, and then Mary. They kind of hold the top billing. But then there's the other supporting roles. There's shepherds and angels and animals and Herod and wise men. There's a lot of cast of characters, but my nominee for the best supporting role in the Christmas story is Joseph. And I think Joseph is someone that we don't talk a lot about, but he is a man that God chose. And God chose him because he deemed him a high value man. You don't give your most valuable asset to someone who's not high value. He deemed him someone worthy to raise his son, Jesus. Now we think about Jesus. Listen, Jesus was not, as a child, Jesus was not with a halo around his head and, and perfect. I know, you know, they'd sing about away in the manger, no crying, the little Lord Jesus made. No, he was a baby, he cried. And he grew up, he, he, was, he was a child. And so God's going to give him to somebody who's going to be a good father. And he gives him to someone who's going to be someone that God can trust. Now you think about it. Things that are valuable to you, you don't just entrust them with anybody. One of our great staff members here is Jody Hart. I don't know if you know Jody, but she is a real blessing. She's always a bright spot. She, she works in operations. She's a little bit behind the scenes. But I'll tell you something. She came from the corporate world, and she is, a, about 10 years ago, she is a blessing to us. She loves God, she loves people, and she loves animals. How do you know she loves animals? Because she has dogs and cats. If you're just a dog person, I mean, no, you don't have a cat. 
And if you're a cat person, but if you love animals, she's got both. She's got dogs, rescue dogs. She's got a dog named, she got a cat named Buddy who has three legs. They changed his name. I suggested Tripod, but they did not think that was a good name. <laughs> but she, lo she loved it. And we were talking the other day, and happy Jody, she got very serious. She said, I don't, I don't entrust my house and my animals to just anyone. Why? Because they're valuable to her. You know, how many of you know that, that parents of the first child, when the first child comes, some of those parents don't get out for like years because they don't trust anybody with that precious baby. By the time the third one comes around, it's like, anybody out there want to watch a kid? <laughs> but it's, it's high value. And so here we have God who chose Joseph as a high value, worthy individual. And I think we can learn from him. So let's learn a little bit from Joseph and learn about why God picked him. What did God see in this guy? The story here is found in Matthew. By the way, Matthew was a Jewish writer who really wrote the book of Matthew for a Jewish audience. That's why the Gospel of Matthew has a lot of, of Old Testament prophecies in it because, again, he's speaking to the Jewish mind. It's, it's ironic to note that a lot of people who convert from Judaism to Christianity, it's off of this chapter right here when they find out that Jesus was Jewish. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, this is the prophet Isaiah, would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Joseph, what did God see in Joseph? Well, he saw a man who was a godly man, a godly example. He was an upright, righteous man. And we see that by the way he handled the apparent betrayal of Mary and how he handled that relationship. When we see the word betrothed, we don't think of the word betrothed, but actually in the Hebrew culture, betrothed was a legal binding contract that was done before witnesses. So um, a man and a woman would come together. They'd say that we are going to get married. We are, we are now betrothed. They would sign a contract. They would sign it in front of witnesses. Now the, the, the woman would spend the rest of that time with her in her father's house until the wedding night. So everything but the consummation of the marriage was taking place. And so to have someone, this was an apparent betrayal. Now here's something we have to keep in mind. When we read these stories in the Bible, we almost read them in what I call two dimensions. They're kind of flat. We look at me and go, oh yeah, he was, you know, and Mary, in his betrayal. They were, these were three-dimensional people. They had feelings. They had emotions. We like to think that we're so advanced, and we are in terms of medicine and science and culture and technology, but the human heart is still the same. Can still, they hurt then, we hurt now. They had passion and love then, we have passion and love now. There's not a difference there. So when you read it, and you read that he was thinking about Mary and, and how to put her away because Mary, they were, they were, man, they were legally bound together and now she winds up pregnant. And he, he's thinking, oh great. She, and so he's thinking to put her away, but listen to this about Joseph. 
He was not a rash individual. He was hurt by Mary. You know this had to hurt him. He said she was found. It doesn't sound like she came and told him. It sounded like someone spotted her, and this is a small town, and all of a sudden everybody knows. Mary's pregnant, and Joseph finds out about it. And, how, and so, you ever heard the term, hurt people hurt people? Boy, it's so true. He could have lashed out. He could have taken revenge. Jealousy is the rage of a man. He could have got angry. He could have, but the Bible said he did not want to disgrace her even though she, in effect, disgraced him. He didn't get even. And he handled things in such a gracious way. He wasn't moving rashly. He was thinking about how to put her away. Put her away is not meaning kill her. It, it meant really divorce her. The relationship would end. But he didn't want to do it publicly. He didn't want to make himself look good at her expense. That's an upright man. That's a, a righteous man. Joseph was a man who had a heart to believe God. He, he believed God. You know, the angel came to him and said, hey, Joseph, don't worry about it. This is Mary, what's conceived in hers of the Holy Spirit. Now, we read it knowing from our perspective, knowing the whole story, but he listened to it, and instead of pushing back on the angel, he went with it. You say, well, if an angel appeared to me, I would, I would, no, 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 no. Remember Sarah laughed when the angel said she was going to have a baby? Gideon argued with the angel. Samson's parents argued with the angel. Uh, Zacharias had looked at the angel and said, I don't, mean how you, I don't need you telling me the truth. And Joseph could have woken up from that dream and went, whew, <laughs> that was a dream. But instead, he believed it. He believed what, and, and we say, well, she was conceived of the Holy Spirit. We don't have a track record of anybody being conceived of the Holy Spirit. It's not like, well, I had a green aunt Edna and she was, you know, she had a child by the Holy Nobody had that. In fact, there was only one verse in the Bible, Isaiah 7, 14, that talks about the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's the only one we've got. And yet he was willing to hear that and believe it. He had a heart to believe. And one word from the angel gave him the courage to overcome the fear and uncertainty of taking Mary as his wife. He said, well, why would there be fear and uncertainty? Because you don't know what you're getting. I mean, all of a sudden, the woman you love, the woman you're engaged to, seriously engaged to, we're planning the wedding. And she comes up and she says, hey, I'm pregnant, but don't worry. It's no one else. It's the Holy Spirit. And we read it now, we go, oh yeah, great. I'm sure back then, I'm sure Joseph didn't go, if I marry this woman, she's crazy. She's delusional. What, what are you going to think? Or to have the courage to marry her because what will people think? You know, social media hasn't always been around, but social interaction always has. In a small town, you know there were whispers. There goes, there goes Mary. Did you hear? She's pregnant. Oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. Did they get, no, I don't think. Some, someone else. Who could it be? I don't know. But the rumor is, it's the blacksmith. <laughs> How many of you know that gossip is not a new thing? And so if he marries her, what are people going to think? But one word from an angel gave him everything he needed to overcome the fear and uncertainty and to go ahead and marry Mary. He had a heart to believe. What did God see in Joseph? He saw a man who was willing to take on a bigger purpose. 
said he was now going to take on the head responsibility of raising a savior who would save his people from their sins. That's a purpose bigger than him. And it superseded any plans he might have. In the Hebrew culture, the firstborn is, man, the firstborn was, was everything, especially a firstborn male son was everything in the Hebrew culture. A firstborn were the ones they would consecrate to God. The firstborn, you had to take them to the temple. The firstborn would get twice the inheritance. I've already explained this to Matthew. That it doesn't, it doesn't work this way. Even though Matthew says, well, we're Hebrews, like you are barely. So don't, don't even get, don't, don't go there. But it was everything, everything was to a firstborn. And that when Jesus was born, the Bible calls Jesus Mary's firstborn, not Joseph's. Now, you say, well, that doesn't matter. It does. When Joy came into my family, she, she noticed that the, the family relationship, she said, I always noticed, she said, there just seemed to be something between you and your father. And I had a good father. He was a good man. She said, I always noticed there was something about that relationship I couldn't quite understand. Until I found out at 58 years old, my mother called me and told me that my dad was not my biological father. But, so he understood what Joseph was going through. Now, I was not an immaculate conception. I was, I was, I was actually artificially inseminated. And this was in 1958. This was not a, a normal practice. In fact, they used to call it adultery by doctor. My mother hated that. But here I am. And, <laughs> and we found out, I found out later on, that, that I'm half Jewish. And so my biological father is 100% Jewish. We've never have been able to find him. I know he's a stunningly handsome man who is, who is brutal. <laughs> But the idea of having that, that firstborn child, your son, would not be his. And so Joseph was willing to supersede his plans for God's plans, a bigger purpose. So what did we learn from Joseph? He learned that he was a man God could trust. He was a man that, that was upright. It's a good example. He was a man that was inclined to believe God. He's a man that had a bigger purpose. He was willing to take on a bigger purpose in life. Can we learn from that? I believe we can. So in the Bible, there's a phrase that's, that's used by Paul almost exclusively, but it's a phrase called walking worthy of the Lord. Paul prays it in, in Colossians. We actually, we pray this for, for you. That God would fill you with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's one of the prayers we pray for you. But it's also a prayer that was prayed for the church. That we actually could walk in a way that would honor God and we can live our lives, us, me, you. We can live our lives in a way that God is honored. He said, well, and you understand that if you're a parent, you understand that because when your children live in line with the values and the things you believe, you're, you're walking worthy. We have looked at our kids before and go, you're a Clayton. This is not what we do or this is what we do. Why? We want our kids to walk worthy. A number of years ago, there's nine years difference between Michael and, and Matthew and, and six years, six and a half between Christina and Michael. So Michael was way down the list. And as we're walking, we're up in Sam Houston State Park. We were walking as a family. And Michael's about five years old. And we were talking with the older kids. It was kind of tough. That gap is different because, you know, with Michael, is we're talking about older kid things. And 
He'd, he'd chime in something, and, and older kids would go, shut up, Michael. So shut up, Michael. That's all this child has heard all his life. And, and uh, we're walking on this path, and all of a sudden, Michael runs up and hugs this tree. I look at George. I said, what is he doing? So we said, he looks like he's hugging a tree. I was like, okay. Maybe, maybe he'll get over it. So we, we, uh, we, keep, we can't even hardly walk because he's hugging every tree in the... In the Sam Houston State Forest has got a lot of trees. And we can't even walk. I finally said, Michael, what are you doing? And she said, my teacher said we're supposed to love trees. I'm like, I'm fine that you love trees, but we're not raising tree huggers. I said, we take care of trees, but we're, what? Our values are we love trees, but we're not hugging trees, Michael. We wanted Michael to walk worthy of our family. Same way, God wants us to walk worthy of him. So how can we do that? And we can. Here's the first one. That we have the strength to be a good example. The strength to be a good example. Guys, I, I, I got to tell you, I think sometimes we have made, we've made being kind and gracious, we've made that a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It takes strength to be controlled. It takes strength to be disciplined. Joseph was disciplined in that he just didn't lash out at Mary. It takes strength living in the world we live in not to lash out and to be different and to be controlled. And it takes strength to be gracious and to show the love of God. Now, I always tell you about how wonderful joy is and you don't know how wonderful she is. Every now and then, I actually do something right. (laughs) I was, when Joe McGee came in October after services, we took Joe down to uh, Papado's. People who, who don't know how blessed we are. And by the way, if the Papa's family is watching, I just want to thank you for all of your restaurants because they are just so awesome. But we were, we were there at, at Papa Do's, me and Joe McGee. Not Bobby, Joe. That's a 60s reference, look it up. But Eddie, <laughs> we were there and, and Joy was sitting with us at the table and a guy comes out holding a tray and Joy noticed he's starting to lose it. So she kind of slips in behind me and watches as he drops this whole tray right beside us. It was some kind of spaghetti crawfish marinara. And it just went everywhere, all down Joe's back and legs, all down my back and legs. It looked like, and it had little chunks of crawfish in it. It, it was the color of vomit. And it was so nasty. The whole restaurant got quiet. Joe never stopped eating. He's just eating and talking. We're just, we're just talking. And I'm just talking and we're talking. Man, all of a sudden I got people all around us and there. We never got up. We never said anything. We're just still continuing the conversation. And they're like, oh, we're going to clean you off. I said, okay, that's fine. And they're cleaning Joe off. And uh, man, the little, little manager came out. She said, I am so sorry. Are you upset? We said, no, we're good. She said, I would be angry. And I'm like, man, that's not what you say as a manager. If someone says we're good, we are good. And as we, we were sitting there, and they got us sort of cleaned up. And as, as we were sitting, a lady walked by. She didn't know me. She didn't know Joe. She said, I just want to tell you. She said, the grace in which you handled that was amazing. And walked on. People are watching. And they're watching how we live. We have to live differently. When Paul prayed for the church, he prayed that God would strengthen them. Same, same prayer in Colossians. He prayed, God, that you would strengthen them according to your glorious power for all perseverance and long-suffering. 
Perseverance means you don't quit under pressure of circumstances. Long-suffering means you don't quit under people pressure. You still keep treating people well. The strength to be an example. Second thing is to have a heart that's inclined to believe God. Well, you just, you know, Joseph did not push back on the angel. When the angel said, go ahead, Mary, Mary, that what's in her is of the Holy Spirit, Joseph didn't go, how's this going to happen? I don't understand. Explain to me the process. He just believed it. And I thought, you know what, really? We, we, need to, we need to just tell ourselves we're believers. We believe this. We believe God's word. We believe God's word. If God said he helps us, he helps us. If he said he will strengthen us, he will strengthen us. If he said he will give us peace, he will give us peace. If he said he would supply all of our needs, he will supply all of our needs. If he said that we would be blessed and not cursed, then we are blessed and not cursed. We need to stop arguing with the scripture and just say, you know what? I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I believe this is true. I'm going to stay with him. So instead of... I like what a guy said. I don't listen to myself. He said, I... He said, I tell myself things. And one of the greatest things we can tell ourselves is we believe God and we believe his word. And that makes all the difference in the world. He said, well, if an angel appeared to me, then I would believe an angel. No, listen, we have something better than an angel. We have his word, we have his spirit to, to quicken that word, make that word come alive in us. That's good. Just make up your mind, you're a believer. Then the third thing. A man Joseph, like Joseph that God chose, how do we become someone like that? A high value, worthy, walking worthy is a willingness to become part of a bigger purpose. Part of a bigger purpose. What do I mean by that? That means that there's a reason in your life that's actually bigger than you. And here's, here's one of the secrets. And, and let me just talk just for a second to people, especially people right now who are lonely, who are hurting. Here's, there, there's a, it's almost a, a counterintuitive way I, let me encourage you, during this Christmas season, if you will go out and do something for someone else, it will help you. Because there's something about whenever we just continue to focus, and it's easy to do, when things have gone wrong and we just focus on us, it doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. But when we have a bigger purpose, it works. Now, I'll give you a great example for that. When I was in Bible school, Matthew, was three, he was the first grandchild on both sides. He's three months old. We were in Bible school. Uh, Joy had lost her job. We, Man, we were struggling financially. We needed money. We weren't eating well. And, you know, we're just, everything goes for baby and diapers and stuff. I'm in Bible school and the Christmas break comes. And my parents said, why don't you come home to North Carolina? Joy's parents are going to come up from Florida. And, of course, they wanted to see the baby. And I, I said, great. They said, hey, we'll make sure you've got some money. And, we'll, and I knew, man, I knew going home meant food and money. And I'm like, man, I... Food, money, what, that talks to my heart. Food and money. <laughs> the morning we got up to go, we looked out. I opened the, the, the window. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I looked out, and buddy, it had snowed. It, it was still coming down. It was snowing, serious snow. Not this dusting stuff we get down here. I'm talking about snow, accumulated snow. And Joy said, what do we do? I looked over her, looked at Matthew. I said, wrap him up. And boy, we wrapped him tight. You know, first children get wrapped it's 80 degrees and they're acting like, you know, we wrapped him so tight. It's a, it's a wonder we even got him in the car seat. I think we had to crack him to get him into the car seat. And man, we are going to North Carolina. And I, I had to talk to a state trooper to let me on to I-40 in Arkansas because they were shutting the roads down. 
I said, hey, I got a front wheel drive, we can do it. And they're shutting the highways down behind us, but we had a bigger purpose. And the bigger purpose of food and money kept us going past the snow, past the cold, past everything else. When the purpose is bigger, it makes life smaller and the things that happen smaller. The Bible said that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despised the shame. Endured the cross and despised the shame. Well, that meant he hated the shame. No, that word despised meant he thought lightly of the shame. He knew the joy set before him was us. It was the salvation of mankind that if he would endure the cross, that he would be raised from the dead and he would give us an eternal relationship with God. And that enabled him to deal with the shame and deal with the embarrassment and to deal with the disgrace of the cross because he loved us. Bigger purpose, life doesn't matter as much. You say, well, Alan, I'm, I'm not called. I'm not a preacher. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have to have a big purpose. I have a job. I, you know, I, I, I work with kids or I stay at home. Or I, I, that's, I don't have a big purpose. You're a preacher. You got a big purpose. No, all of us, all of us. We have Jesus as our Lord. We're called to be a, a shining light for him and to be a light in a dark world. Look at this verse here. Paul's writing to the church. He says this, do everything without complaining and arguing, which would include online. Well, I'm sorry, I added that. Uh, so that no one can criticize you. That needs some clarification. People will criticize you regardless of what you do, so that no one really has a legal right to criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Do you realize that one of the reasons we invite people in at Christmas is because it's dark out there and it's, it's fearful out there and there's uncertainty out there and people are lost out there and we want them to come in to say, hey, this is a place that's got some light and God loves you and things can be different and your life can be different and your life can be better. And that's one of the reasons we invite them in and spend money to do a Christmas patch. That's why we do church. And so we can tell people, we've got a message that changes things. One of the best ways we can do it is to live a life that shows the message. Sometimes they won't listen. As soon as people find out I'm a preacher, they get religious. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, pastor. Oh, oh, you were just cussing like a drunk sailor just a few minutes ago, but now you just got all religious. But they won't do that with you. You can sneak up on them <laughs> and shine your light. I, uh, I went to a church for, for years. Uh, John Osteen was my pastor at Lakewood Church. And he, uh, I was there when Joel was, when Joel and I are about the same age. And uh, Joel was just working in the back room in his television thing. And John Osteen's had a saying about his church. He said, they called Lakewood at that time the, the oasis of love in a troubled world. I thought, man, what a great, what a great, what a great moniker for a church, an oasis of love in a troubled world. I thought, you know what? That's not just good for a church. It's good for us to be an oasis of love. When you're with your family, they holiday in the holidays. That you can be an oasis of love in a, in a world that's troubled. Where you work, that you can be an oasis of love. Christmas is filled with lights. We need to be one. But to be one, we have to live differently. We can't be lashing out angry at people all the time. We have to be willing to have the strength to show them the love and the graciousness of Christ.
a life lived, boy, is the best light shined. Years ago in a downtown mission in a large American city, this was a mission, a Christian mission that used to work with alcoholics. And they, uh, they would bring them in and feed them and try to help them get sober and, of course, drug addicts. They had a, a guy who was there for years. He was a raging alcoholic. His name was Joe. It's not Joe McGee, but his name was Joe. And uh, he was, man, he was belligerent. He was difficult. And he came to that mission one day and just got radically saved. I mean, he gave his life to Jesus and things just turned. He went from being just a nasty, angry drunk to being such a kind, caring, loving man. He would stay around the mission. He would do anything. He would clean up. When the men would get sick, he'd be the one that would clean it. He would feed the ones that couldn't feed themselves. He just became just the, a beacon of light and goodness and caring. Joe's life was changed. One night, the, the director was giving the, the typical evangelical message. Before the men could eat in the evening, they had to listen to a sermon. So he gave the sermon to a bunch of silent, sullen men who were just looking at him. But when he asked for prayer and bowed his head and asked for the altar call, a man got up and came down to the front, kneeled down the front and began to cry out to God. He said, oh God, make me like Joe. Oh God, make me like Joe. Oh God, make me like Joe. And he went on like this for some time. And finally, the director went down there and put his hand on the man's shoulder. He said, son, he said, it might be a better prayer if you would pray, oh God, make me like Jesus. The man looked up with all sincerity and said, is he like Joe? <laughs> but that's such a message in that because a lot of times they don't see Jesus but they see us Joseph was a man that God chose we can be the same kind of people if you're not there yet join the club we're all learning we're all growing let's be a light at Christmas would you bow your head for a moment if you came this, this morning if you're watching online and you say you know what Alan I I don't even have a relationship with the Lord or I used to have a relationship with the Lord and I've gotten away from him. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I just want to give you a chance to have a, an encounter with the Lord Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Please, no one leaving. As, as you're here and you say, Alan, that's me. Ah, man, I, I need a relationship with the Lord. I, I need to be sure of that or I need to come back to him. I, I, I want to be in on this prayer. Would you pray for me? Just quickly slip your hand up. Just quick. Across the auditorium. Thank you. Thanks. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Watching online, obviously I can't see you, but listen, if you're here, pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray with you out loud. And uh, if you're online, if you're, you're with other people, you can pray it quietly. If you're by yourself, pray it with us. Simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who come to you for the very first time, for those who've come back. We rejoice with them. And for the rest of us, show us, help us, Father. Let us be 
an oasis in a troubled world, a light during this Christmas time. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.